What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team, build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff. Three o'clock on the dot, you know what that means. It's time for Matt, Lana, and the King. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Driving home Atlanta is a traffic jam. But you got Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff. Na, 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 it's Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Who let the boss sing? Whose idea was that? Management's not supposed to infiltrate this show. Chuck and Chernoff, as we crank it up in our 3 o'clock hour, thanks for making our show part of your afternoon. I'm Matt. I'm back. That's Chuck. He's still here. And you all are the audience, and we're all in this together for the next four hours. This hour of the show is presented by This Stuff Matters, helping you make the most out of what matters most. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters, the podcast at thisstuffmatters.net. Let's start the 3 o'clock hour by saying hello to Charles. Hey, Matt. Hi, Chuck. Can I ask you a serious question? Yeah, go for it. Have you bailed anyone out of jail? Not recently. I was in county for like six months. <laughs> That's a long time. I would have bailed you out if I would known you'd been there. Guilty. Never admit that. I just want my freedom. You got it eventually. Hours, not months. Hours. You're reformed, Six though. Hours. That's okay. Listen, Chuck, it'll scare you straight. And look where you turned it's into. It's a Friday. Now. I had to get out before 8. Or I was there for the weekend. Was it one of those things where everybody looked around you? Yeah, I know we didn't do it. You're nobody. You're Boy, you screwed me. Yeah, everybody. Right. Uh, I love this uh, sentence. The Braves began playing real baseball. Well, 
they began playing spring training baseball games. The Grapefruit League season began over the weekend. I'll give you final scores because they actually keep them. They don't matter. But the Braves did win their opener on Saturday, 6-5. to five. So That was fun. They lost to the Red Sox yesterday, 5-4. to four, And as we speak, they're trailing the uh, Orioles 2-1 to one in the ninth inning in Northport. Here's what you want to know. All you need to care about. Max Fried got the start, went two innings, no hits, no earn, no walks, two Ks. Give him the Cy Young now. Then Ronaldo Lopez made his Braves spring debut, two innings, a hit. It was earned. Was it a home run? Give up a long ball, cut him. I'm excited about him. You shouldn't be. After no. give up a, a run today, cut him. We're done. Thanks, Ronaldo. Three years, $30 million, we'll eat the money. He not going to be back. A.J. Minter, a scoreless frame, two Ks. Tyler Matzik, a scoreless inning. Dylan Lee gave up a run. He didn't come north. Joe Necro pitched for the Braves today. Joe Necro's passed. Well, this is J.J. Necro. Oh, yeah, I'm going to assume Joseph. I'm going to assume they're kin. Yes, yes, Joseph. He went an inning in the third, gave up uh, no hits and a couple of Ks, and then uh, something called Dunshi. Joe's know. twenty game winner with the Astros in 1980. I think twenty and twelve. Parker Dunshi pitched the ninth for the Braves today. The only run so far for the Braves has come from the uh, bat of Forest Wall. He was running around the bases. He had a home run. So beat the Dodgers in game 163 that year. Um, on Saturday, Michael Harris led the game off for the Braves because they were like Acuna. Why do we need to play this guy? There's no reason. So Harris got the start. He led off, and it took one pitch for the Braves to continue hitting home runs. He looks to be ready. Michael Harris is as well. And now for the ball game. And the first pitch swung on to the deep drive to right. That's carrying back. That is high. Getting up and getting gone. First pitch of the spring. And Michael Harris belts it out of here. And it's one nothing Braves. I, whatever. It's awesome to hear a home run. Do you not miss those tones? Like the baseball, the, the ball hits the bat. Sounds the right. The bat. It just dies. Yeah. It was uh-huh. just, and spring training baseball is fun. It's not important. Stay healthy. Doesn't really matter what the numbers are. It just sounds like spring. It's, even in February, it sounded right. Remember, you can hear all weekend Braves spring training games right here on the fan on FM at 93.7. We're still on AM because why wouldn't we be? It's 680. And, of course, available on the 680 The Fan mobile app on weekends and weekdays. If you're looking for baseball during the week, the fan app and uh, our sister station, ESPN 1037, will have all the baseball for you. Now, Michael Harris, I want to talk about him for a moment. As there are a bunch of Braves that I don't know if they can top the act that they had this past season. Like, I don't know that Matt Olson can hit 55 home runs. I don't know that Marcelo Zuna will hit 40 again. Still 74, Ronald. <laughs> I do think Michael Harris has got a ceiling he hasn't come close to reaching. Mm, you're he's, right. He's going to be 23 years old this season. It'll be his third season of, of big league ball. He's coming off two years that looked almost identical in the production he put together. Now, I'll remind you, he got off to an incredibly slow uh, slow start a year ago. Oh, he's hitting about 200. Like, even below that, he was under 200 until, like, until May. Yeah. Then yeah. he got hot and was just great the rest of the year. He finished with his traditionals at 293, 18 homers, 57 he RBIs. He scalded the baseball the final few months. He had a 114 OPS+. Plus. 76 runs scored in 20 stolen bases as a luxury item. They had him many, batting all over the lineup. Yeah, but typically he was hitting eighth or eighth ninth. Eighth or ninth. That's a luxury item. For most teams, eighth or ninth, you're not going to get anything. For the Braves, it's like, oh, we have this guy that in most orders would hit in the middle or at the top, he's going to hit at the bottom. Now, his rookie season, he hit 297, 19 mm-hmm. and 64 at a 133 OPS plus. Again, same, almost identical run scored at 75, identical stolen bases at 20. I have no reason to believe he couldn't beat north of 25 homers this season, that he couldn't hit 300. Oh, he that's showed all us that. Attainable. Right, that he could steal 30 bases. 
the traditionals, if I just gave you those, like I think that stuff is all in play. And I, Chuck, I think this is the year they do move him up. He hits sixth or seventh. I would probably say sixth. There's no like the bottom of the order is going to be in some eight or nine. Kelnick, Orlando Arcia. I don't know who it's eight, who it's nine. Are you intrigued at all with him hitting second? Michael, I think that could be a profile for him. I like Ozzy there, but uh, you could certainly do it with Michael. I have no issue with that. Like I, do you even care about Ronald splits at this point? Because I'm thinking righty, lefty. No, and, okay. God, no, and then Austin, no. and then Olson. No, I don't care about it. my top four. Hit 300 home runs. You stop caring about splits, as right? Much. Is if something injury wise happens, okay, we can talk. But otherwise, I want my best hitters getting all the uh, the bats. Give me I want Ronald. Michael Harris at the top, man. Yeah, but you're not in, in who you take. Somebody's out. got. I know you can't have four guys hit third. So what I would say is. It's not inconceivable that you could have a Harris hitting higher than Ozuna at some point this season. Like, Marcel has been an EKG that he could come all the way back down to earth. So that's something to think about, that he hits sixth, maybe. A lot of other orders, he's hitting third. Like, that's how good Michael's talent is. Here, it's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, Tomorrow, Chris Sale will make his brave spring debut in Bradenton against the Pirates. So we'll uh, pray for health for Chris Sale every time he touches the ball. As important a story, important, uh, whatever that is, uh, I'm – as interested in how he pitches this spring, just healthy, feels right, and ready to roll opening day. That's kind of the evaluation there. And then Ian Anderson as well. Ian Anderson's a guy that like, we forget how soon it was like that we were looking at Ian going, uh, oh, yeah, 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 he's going to be the next guy and look at the postseason and he's a pillar and he's whatever, and now there's not a word about Ian. I don't know that we're looking at Ian towards midseason. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's nothing to find out about him for the beginning of the season, I'm saying, but we forget about him that he's still in the organization. A ton more on the Braves to get to, so don't move there, but oh, we've got rumors. Matt heard a rumor. We got Falcon rumors. Now, this one, according to NFL insider Jake Eckenberg. I don't know who this is. Anybody know this? Jake Eckberg or Eck? I don't know who this fellow is. Not familiar, but he did report that the Falcons, as well as the Raiders, have sent in trade offers to the Bears for quarterback Justin Fields. Keep in mind, nobody else has had that report. Uh, Field Yates on ESPN said he thinks the Falcons' second round pick, number 43, would get the deal done for Justin. Many around the league have said the Falcons are looking for a, quote, young quarterback, unquote, as opposed to a veteran quarterback. And the team wants, in all caps, to be aggressive and trade up in pursuit of a top rookie quarterback. I hope all these are just rumors because I don't need anybody knowing Terry Fontenot's business. I need people believing they want a vet here, a young guy there, a trade here, a stay put there. Because, again, these are just all rumors, Chuck. Those are your rumors. Is that what we're going to do every single day? Uh, for the foreseeable future. Until he yeah. gets sponsored. Sales, mm-hmm. if they're listening. There we go. I'm giving them things. Like, there are all these You're items. You're trying to. Yeah. You came things. back, spilling over with ideas. Uh, while I was gone, former Georgia running back coach Del McGee decided, I want a head coaching job. And we said before I left that, that what I had heard was McGee, Buster Faulkner, and a few other local names were at the front of Georgia State's once- and Del McGee gets the gig. Now, for Dell, he might not have been in line for another head coaching job for the short or long term, so he gets his opportunity. It's one hell of an uphill climb, but congrats to him. He becomes the fourth head coach at Georgia State football. Yeah, he realized he kind of had to cut the line. He, he was thinking, I'll be the position coach, and then I'll be an OC, and then I'll get to be head coach, and he's looking around going, nobody is even inquiring about me being an OC. So he's like, all right, Georgia State, I'll be head coach. 
Uh, for Kirby Smart, now he's lost a couple of his top recruiters, and again, he'll fill the spots. What Kirby yeah, he's does. got that done. He went got uh, grabby at South Carolina mm-hmm. and got a little grabby downtown, too. He uh, brings back an old face in James Coley to be the new wide receiver coach in Athens. You'll remember that name, the one-time OC of the Georgia Bulldogs. He will come signatures. in. And as you said, he replaces the running back coach off the staff at Tech. Uh, yeah, get the wide receivers coach at Tech is going to coach running backs in Athens. Now... It's not graduate courses at MIT, but he still he's never done it before. He's never coached running backs, and so that to me, and I know what the we've talked about this all the time. What did Kirby just hire? Two position coaches? Yeah, he hired two recruiters. Yeah, thank you. Let's not be. I'm not saying it's not important. Del McGee might have been a fine running back coach. Del McGee was there to get signatures, and so he's so, got. So it's just interesting that there's yeah. that. So and, was Brian McClendon. Brian McClendon might have been a fantastic coach, and the Tampa Bay Bucks thought enough of him that they're bringing yes. him in as a wide receiver coach. Brian McClendon, Del McGee, these names, these were all-star recruiters. And so he's replaced it with a couple of guys, and again, with Crawford coming over from George Tech, that was well thought of, and apparently just great, 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 great guy to hang out with. And so I'm sure that resonates with 17 to 22-year-olds. Here's where Kirby, to me, has to separate. Not only is he a, an elite recruiter, one of the greats of all time, I think he probably has a sense for the guys that fits the who fit the profile of recruiters he wants. Like again, he wants them to be able to coach the wide receivers up, don't get me wrong, and the running backs and the offensive line. But that's secondary to getting those signatures. It will be elite. We might not be the most efficient fundamental staff will be good, but we'll be better getting signatures. And I'm wondering, there's one thing about that signing because James Coley, again, he coaches wide receivers and you don't really recruit positions as much as you do areas. But um, Georgia, for his position, they have been going to the portal mm-hmm. a lot. That's where they're they're going to get a lot of their talent. And so I don't know if it's necessarily about the incoming receivers as much as Ben is like, let's go to the portal. I would agree. So yeah. Uh, and the uh, Hawks won a basketball game last night. When that happens, we acknowledge it. Stupid Hawks. <laughs> without Trey and his tendon, they beat the uh, Magic. Yes, first game without Trey who's going to have surgery on a finger. We'll have him out at least. And I say at least four weeks. He'll be re- reevaluated in four weeks. There's a chance this season is done. So uh, DeJounte took the lead last night with 25 and 11 assists, nine boards. Jalen Johnson had another big night, 21, 10 boards, and seven assists. And tomorrow, John the Baptist returns. We're not going to get a Trey John reunion with Trey out, but John Collins and the Jazz back at State Farm tomorrow. Video, right? Hawks pregame. They do something. Oh, they have to acknowledge. Yeah. They they, and it ends with him dunking on Joel Embiid. Landing on his head? Yeah, he'll get a standing go for that. Chuck, come get your diploma. Uh, oh. Uh, this is our worst idea. Time for our worst idea. This is a, it's his old production. We haven't had it in a while. The sponsor for the worst idea is not it's open. Oh. Yeah, so it's, to anybody out there, you oh, want this. okay, yeah. All right, so we need something new. Huh? Yeah, so here's our uh, worst idea. And I stole this one off of uh, X that I saw a couple of days ago. What's the one moment from sports history you really wish Twitter was around for? The moment in sports history from days gone by, and I'll give you one national, one local. National is, I wonder what Twitter would have been like the day Michael Jordan announced his retirement and the day he announced he was playing minor league baseball. (laughs) That would have just been hilarious. And then one local, as the Eugene Robinson story broke on the even Super Bowl, I wonder what that would have looked like. So what is the one sports moment you wish Twitter was around for back in the day? Uh, Magic's announcement would have been something or other. You I mean... So that's in the middle of the afternoon. I get him from school. That's about a three yeah. or four o'clock press conference with no knowledge of anything. That the, all we knew is Magic's about to sit down and say something, and that was it. That we, yeah. 
It's a very good one. Uh, Can you imagine Twitter after Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson? Or during or any of it. We lost cable that night. See, that was the thing. Sharknado was one of those. uh, I went to Sharknado, the original. It's been several now. Mm -hmm. Like 45 minutes in, I keep seeing all this stuff on Twitter about Sharknado, and I go... That would have been the Buster Douglas fight. Easily. You got to turn this on. Well, Dude, it's 42 to 1 favorite. He ain't going to win. No, you got to turn this on. But as a Mike Tyson fight would go to the fourth or fifth round, which they never did, now you're up to the eighth or ninth. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, DT, what you got? Uh, I got to say, Hulk Hogan turning his back on the WCW and joining the New World Order. That's a very good call. One of the shocking moments in Transformational, really. NWO, yeah. all new era of wrestling. Brian Gephardt. I would say Dennis Robin showing up in a dress to his book signing. That was still one of those just alarming things as a kid. I think it would have just blown up the internet. I believe it would have gone viral, yeah. as they say. And uh, Cullen Madden. How about Randy Johnson hitting the bird? <laughs> it would have been a fun it's video. A the he exploded yeah. that bird. He did. And that bird is dead. You guys can send your answers to the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. The one moment from sports history you wish Twitter was around for at the time. I will pick the brain of uh, ESPN's Matt Miller, one of the best draft guys. On Mondays, because we like alliteration, we're going to bring you a Monday mock guest, a Monday mock draft, and uh, Matt Miller's one of the best guys around. Combine week, so we'll ask him about the Falcons' choices of quarterbacks that will still be left at number eight. If they were to trade up, what kind of uh, cost would it would it incur for them? So we'll talk to Matt Miller about that in 15 minutes. Coming up next, though. If you have the grandest plan possible for the Falcons. Is the great, 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 great grandmother hot too? I haven't thought about it. I don't know that. There's one giant variable that should be included. We'll share it with you next. Close. What's the name of the station? 680. The fan 680-93-7. We've been 860 before. Now we're 630? 680 I was going for. That's okay. You tried. You look great, DT. It's good to see you. Doing my best. Thank you. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, Chuck and Chernoff are on the radio. I'm Matt. That's Chuck. You all are the audience. You can hear us in a lot of ways, like DT just said. We're on AM at 630. We're on FM at 93.7. We're on the uh, 6 of the Fan mobile app. We're on all kinds of other apps. We're on the internet. Uh, We're a lot of places. Your smart speaker, you name it. A lot of ways to find us. Even when the show's over, you're like, oh, I missed that. Go back and listen on the app. It's all documented podcast style for you. 6.30, 6.30, there we are. As foreign as it was to everybody, we were talking about our worst idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when everyone in sports paid attention to boxing. I swear. So when we're talking about the sports moment that you missed and you wish you had Twitter. Yeah, if Twitter had been around for a sports moment of the past, no, a big, like a Mike Tyson uh, ear-biting of Evander or like a upset against Buster. We all huge. paid attention. No, it was huge, no we doubt. all cared, I swear. The uh, 3 o'clock hour of the show is presented by This Stuff Matters, helping you make the most out of what matters most. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters, the podcast at thisstuffmatters.net. We'll have uh, Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout. And uh, ESPN's Draft Insider for a Mock Monday with Matt Miller. That's a lot of alliteration. He'll join us in less than 10 minutes. Pick his brain about the Falcons if they stay at eight. Who's the quarterback that would be the best suited for them to take? If they want to trade up, what kind of uh, package are we looking at? A lot of quarterback questions, a lot of stuff with Miller around the corner. But first, speaking of trades, Chuck said if we have the grandest plan, not just a grand plan, but the grandest of them all, for the Falcons – it would have to involve some pretty big capital. Yeah, um, and there's one thing to remember that most people aren't thinking of. Um, the Bears, and I'm talking about the grandest plan possible, trading up to number one. Um, the Bears traded the first overall pick 
just last April. Mm-hmm. Like they just were involved in this more than any other team in the league. They know how valuable that pick is. They just did it. So whatever offers that we, and I'm, I'm doing it as well, folks, whatever offers we're scribbling, like on the sales meeting agenda, instead of like listening to the GM bleat. Um, yeah. The third and fourth round picks and Desmond Ritter don't include ish like that. Just don't do it. Uh, they weren't likely to budge off the price from last year anyway. And if you don't remember to move to nine from nine to one, two first, two seconds and a good player. That's five assets. But this time, there's a much clearer choice at one. And unlike Bryce Young, um, he doesn't look like the second grader who is trying to play varsity football for the first time. Um, it's Caleb Williams, who looks like the first overall draft pick, like the kind of guy you take at one, not like Bryce Young. He's, he's been described in some cases as a generational. He's even getting the unfair comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's how much. And we'll ask Matt Miller about this in five minutes. People think of Caleb Williams. So I'm going to give you a best guess. for It has to be two things. Legit offer the Bears would consider that the Falcons would offer, but this is for a trade that I don't believe the Falcons will pursue. They're, it's just it's too much to get up to one, I think. But if you're thinking grandest, they traded up for Vic before, so it's happened. Um, this year's first and second. Agreed. Next year's first and second. I would say the Falcons or any team would try to do it like the Panthers did push, push it down one more year. Push the second round pick a year later. Right but yeah, so first and say you're up, here's your four assets and a player. I, I'm going to say fifth rounder in 2026. Uh, I don't think that does it. And then Drake. Yeah, I think they're going to want to play. I've got Drake as well. Now remember, uh, Carolina got some stuff back with that too. Like a round swap yes. of picks and so things. Maybe if you and so you want to do that. Yeah. yeah. But p- picture this way five assets. And so even the Drake part. I got to tell you, folks, that's me biased towards the Falcons getting a good deal because I think Bijan is the actual piece there. The premiums over what Carolina paid are the second round pick is next season, not two drafts later. And there was no additional pick where I included like a fifth rounder in 26. If you guarantee me Caleb is your starter for eight to 10 seasons, rock that trade. I don't think you can guarantee me that. But if that's a an eight to 10 year starter, mm-hmm. here's all these players. You can See, have them. I think we've got to reverse the process. I think you got to do it from the Chicago perspective. In other words, I don't think Chicago has any intention of even listening. They'll listen because they have to, but not seriously listening on trading Caleb Williams. Forget saying the first pick, trading Caleb Williams. The only way they're going to do it is if you make them a stupid offer. One that we all go, oh, my God, how much did you just give up? In other words, go back to your initial beginnings here. 2024 first and second round picks. 2025 first and I'll give you a third, and then I'm going to throw in another first-round pick in 2026 and B. John Robinson. Now the Bears are like, we don't want to deal it, but you're giving, me, you you're giving me three firsts, two seconds, and a player? Yeah, they might do that. But anything short of that, anything short of a stupid offer, forget because. even the godfather offer. This would have to be a stupid, like, you gave up that much? I don't think the Bears are going to really entertain trading away. Forget Again, the first pick, trading Caleb Williams. Yeah, because there's two factors at work. First of all, last year, they just earned the pick. All right, they won three games, and so they got the first pick, and they didn't need a quarterback they didn't think in the moment. So they're like, hell yeah, we'll trade it. This year, they need a quarterback, and that pick, it was just a scratch-off. They got a first-round pick that technically could have gone anywhere from 1 to 32, but it went one. So this is this is the get out of jail free for all the ish they did to get Justin Fields in the first place. But also and the Khalil Mack stuff from way back. Add the context to it that in their minds inside their draft room in their front office, 
they weren't convinced that Bryce Young was substantially better than Justin Fields. Whether we're right or wrong, or we won't know for a while. In their minds, like most people, Caleb Williams' ceiling is much higher yeah. than Justin. And that's not a shot at Justin. That's a compliment to Caleb. Yeah, keeping the pick solves their problem. And then trading Justin away for whatever little asset you get. It's not going to be a first-round pick, folks. Don't believe that garbage. Unless some stupid team loses their mind. Nobody's giving up a first-round pick no. for two years of a player. It's not even Justin. You're not doing it for two years. Because you only get the one guaranteed. You pick up the fifth-year option. you gotta, you got to pay him again. Yeah, decide like that. So the second router I'm even on the fence about. I don't think the market's as big for Justin as people are, are making it out. I, yeah, Justin's like, get this done. The Bears are like, we're trying, dude. Yeah, they're trying. Trust to, me. Trust me. They're trying to create a market, which creates leverage, and then somebody overpays. But in the meantime, no. Like the Falcons moving up from eight, or anybody moving up, it's five assets, Typically, and I think for the Bears to trade Caleb, you're going to have to give in something bigger and better for them to go. We didn't want to do it, but now with those picks we just assembled, we're going to go get an offensive tackle for Justin Fields. We're going to go get him another wide receiver. We're going to go get him another uh, uh, tight end. And you traded us B. John Robinson, and we have uh, draft picks. In the- yes, at that point, they might do it, but I don't think anything short of that is going to convince them. Yeah, it solves their issue. No. I don't think it solves the issue. Well, for them, they I think it makes it more palatable to hold no, on to Justin. They need it. I'm sorry. The Bears drafting Caleb solves their issue. Right. Like they, they believe there's our we need a quarterback because it ain't Justin. There he is. I'm so flip it back to the Falcons now. Think if you did that deal that I told you about that you overpay for the for the oblig, for the opportunity to get Caleb Williams. How are you going to surround him with stuff now? You have put him on a roster that you have strip mined to acquire him. You just gave away in the deal. The guy was the eighth pick was supposed to be your bell cow. You've now traded away your first for the next two years and a couple of seconds. What are you doing? Now what you're doing is you're hoping you can build around him the way you build around a superstar quarterback in the fifth year of his career. In other words, what, what Kansas City has to do now for Patrick Mahomes. Here's Marcus Valdez-Scantling. <laughs> Here's Rasheed Rice. Here's like uh, Isaiah Pacheco. And it can work because he's Mahomes. Don't think it could work if he's Caleb Williams. Not at least yet. Not as a rookie, not as a young quarterback. So I don't think it makes sense for either side. It's fun to think about. But if we're going to have a realistic conversation about the Falcons trying to trade up, I think the most realistic scenario is getting to three, and I don't even think that's very realistic. I think we're going to spin our wheels for two months talking about the top three teams trading. I agree with that. I don't think any of them are going to deal. Yep, and they shouldn't. Well, I say they should solve their quarterback problems. Maybe Washington looks around and says, ah, what the hell, Sam Howell. Well, uh, here's what I'm interested in between two and three. What if Washington falls in love with Jaden at two and all of a sudden Drake's on the board at three and maybe New England doesn't love Drake, so maybe they do think about. Realize like Bailey Zappi and Jarrett Stidham are real things in the NFL right now. I would laugh if I didn't have Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. So, yes, it doesn't make me feel much better. All right, let me bring in one of my favorite uh, guys when we get to this time of year. He's always busy, so we appreciate him carving out some time for us. He's ESPN's Matt Miller, who's kind enough to join us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. You can follow him on Twitter or X at NFL Draft Scout. You can find his work across ESPN.com. He'll be on SportsCenter and NFL Live at 4 p.m. Eastern from the Combine Wednesday through Friday. Matt, we appreciate the time. How are you? Doing well. You know my schedule better than I do. I mean, listen. <laughs> I'm glad you told me. It's it's easy when they write it down and give it to me. I'll give it to you after, and that way we're all <laughs> on the you. same page. So we were just going through all the trade machinations like any loser franchise fan of a team in the top ten like we have to in Atlanta. But here's where I want to start with you. Let's say the Falcons can't swing a deal. Nobody in the top three wants to trade. So you're going to sit at eight, and you're going to like it. What's the best of the available quarterbacks how high would the Falcons be taking one of these quarterbacks off the board if they're not even close on a on a build on a big board of a top thirty or top fifty? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, so let's assume Kayla Williams goes one. Yep. Let's assume Jaden Daniels or Drake May goes two, and uh, then the other one goes three. And and we have you know we can see what happens there. I think there's a possibility that the New England might trade out at three. But um, as for if the board falls that way, no trade up scenarios. JJ McCarthy is the next best quarterback. To me, he could be a really good NFL quarterback, but probably more in that middle tier. Like in five years, could he be a top ten NFL quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the the football IQ is there, the the arm strength is there, the mobility is there. Um, he's going to have to get better, obviously. But the talent is certainly there. He's my number 18 overall player. Uh, if you And I do account for positional value. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't have Brock Bowers as my number one player, right? Brock's really, really talented. He's a tight end. So he, he's ranked a little bit lower for me. Same with offensive guards or same with, with safeties and linebackers. So 18 overall accounting for positional value. Um, but my player comp for him, these come out tomorrow. I'll give you guys a sneak peek. Do you remember Jake Plummer, Jake the Snake oh, yeah. Plummer? Yeah. That's who McCarthy reminds me of. You know, mm. and I, the dude just wins ball games, and I, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read this. I, I wrote it at one point this year. I did. I had a scout who I trust on quarterbacks very, very well tell me, you know, the only difference between J.J. McCarthy and Joe Burrow is that Joe Burrow got to throw the ball a lot in college. So mm. there are people who love J.J. McCarthy. Um, this week is going to be huge. I want to see him throw in person. You know, I want to see him get out there and rip it outside of this Michigan scheme. So uh, I like J.J. I think he could be a good NFL quarterback. It's not as exciting as Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, but sometimes, you know, sometimes steady is really, really good. Give me the environment. The Falcons trading 8-1, to one, that's just ludicrous. It's a waste of time to talk about that. What about trading from a, uh, a maybe eighth in the second round to 31 or 32? What will be the environment at the end of the first round, do you believe? What will be the quarterback pool in the final three, four picks of the first round for a team to maybe trade into? I don't know if there will be one. No, really bad answer. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Let's just like, I mean, we got to live in the world right now where quarterbacks are so heavily valued. Um, so we, we know those three are going early. You know, let's say you don't take J.J. at eight. The, the, Bronco, the Vikings at 11, Broncos 12, Raiders 13, Saints 14. One of those teams probably takes a quarterback. I continue to hear that the Seattle Seahawks are at least really kicking around the idea of taking a quarterback to groom behind Geno Smith. So that might be your Bo Nix landing mm-hmm. spot. The Steelers at 20, one of the best-run organizations in sports. You can't tell me with a straight face they're going to run it back with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. I just don't believe that for a second. So, I think the Steelers are a team that's in the mix at 20. I I mean, if Baker Mayfield's not back in Tampa, they're in the mix at 26. So, you know, that idea of like, oh, let's get back in, you know, with the the Chiefs or the Niners. I love the the idea of doing that. Love it. It's just I don't know that one of the five guys that really have a round one grader there – there maybe there's a, maybe Atlanta is one of the teams that loves Michael Penix. You know, you're playing in a dome, you're playing in some warm weather situations. I think that fits his play style really well, where he's such a great deep ball passer. But you know, he's not mobile at all. Mm-hmm. And he had four seasons at Indiana. They each ended with a season-ending injury. Two times he's had an ACL tear in his right knee. So I love Michael Penix as a passer. I worry about Michael Penix as an NFL quarterback to where, especially if you're trading back up into round one to take him. Matt Miller's with us. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Again, you'll see him on ESPN coming up on NFL Live and Sports Center uh, at 4 p.m. from the Combine Wednesday through Friday. He's with us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Uh, one more question about the quarterbacks, and then we'll bounce around. 
do you have, and this might be just flavors for teams, but do you have a preference or do you hear people have a preference between Knicks and Penix, two older guys, both have some different things, Penix the injury stuff, Bo's bounced around a little bit. Like, have you heard yeah. if the league has a preference for one or the other? Uh, yeah, he's Bo Nix. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to put like a blanket statement out there, like 32 teams like Bo Nix better, because I don't think that's fair. Um, Michael Penix is, like I said, a tremendous passer. Bo Nix, you've got cleaner injury history, and that's a big, that's just a big part of it. I don't think he's as good of a pure passer, but he's got cleaner medicals, and he's got a much more mobile skill set to his game. You know, I think people forget some of the ad lib type stuff that Bo Nix had to do when he was at Auburn because that offense was like backyard football. You get to Oregon and everything kind of comes together a lot better for him. You know, they actually have some downfield passing targets. They have some things, you know, that he's able to do schematically that, that I think really, really helped his game. Um, and we saw that, you know, kind of take off to the next level because of that. So I, I would say, you know, Nix did not have the best senior bowl week. This is a big week for him. He's got to prove himself a little bit, but the guy started for five years in college. And one thing that's fascinating with the NFL right now is teams want experience. You know, and it's why a guy like J.J. McCarthy, who started 28 games in college and only lost one of them, is such a hot name right now. Bo Nix started 61 games in college. You're not going to throw anything at this dude that he didn't see in the SEC and the Pac-12 over the last five years. So that readiness is huge with college offenses being – you know, so gimmicky and so, like, everything's RPO and throw out the line of scrimmage. That's not the NFL. So what can you do to make your job easier as an evaluator? Go to the guy who you got five years and 61 starts of tape on to figure out who he is as a prospect. All right, I don't live in a world where the best pass rusher in the draft is there at eight, and I, I would like him to be potentially for the Falcons. I think that's Dallas Turner because I think he plays kind of mean and a little on the edge of beyond mean. Um, and I'm, I'm digging. I'm into that. He, Jared Verse, big giant Latu from UCLA, whoever the number one pass rusher is, I think I am looking at a draft where he might be available at eight. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, you could have your pick of the litter among defensive players at eight, very potentially. And I'm with you. Dallas Turner is the best of this group. I don't know why there hasn't been more of a love fest for him. I'm going to try to personally change this because I see someone who is going to be a perennial 10-sack player if he's allowed to play in space, like Josh Allen with the Jaguars. That, to me, that's who he is. He's that dude, like, just give him a little bit of a step away from the tackle, and he's going to make plays. I mean, you know, go back week one last year. He had four pressures and a tackle for loss. He had two and a half sacks against you, uh, Southern Florida. He's a high IQ, a pressure package quarterback who has great hustle. You know he's, got, he's well coached coming out of Alabama because that's what they do. But the athleticism is also there as well. So, you know, sometimes does he come in a little hot and miss some tackles in the backfield? He does. So did Will Anderson, and he turned out just fine last year for the Houston Texans. So I think, you know, if you can get Dallas Turner eight, that's amazing value. I would say his teammate, Tyrion Arnold, he's, he's also right in the mix. One of those two should be the first defender off the board. He could be there at eight, and he is the exact kind of guy. If you want to stud opposite A.J. Terrell, who's also a stud, and just, you know, form a defensive backfield that everyone's afraid of. Tyrion Arnold is a pretty dang good value, too. Matt Miller's with us. Again, ESPN is where you can see him this week (laughs) from the Combine Wednesday through Friday. Uh, Let me ask you about some of the Georgia players. We watched Brock from day one, so we know how good he is. But I also questioned and almost did it with a maniacal laugh at the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts as high as they did because of the positional value. 
Does Kyle in any way affect where Brock might go? In other words, maybe he doesn't go inside the top 10 because people see the positional value still being an issue? I think so. And not, not to compare their, like, the production because they're very different players. Yep. I think it's more so if you draft a player in the top 10, you expect them to be a difference maker. You know, like you expect them to be a blue chip core building block. And Kyle has not been that. And you could say quarterback and coaching are, are part of the reason for that. And I would agree with you, but you know, tight ends drafted in the first round. There's not a, a long history of success. And, and I know every player is different, but Travis Kelsey, George Tittle, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta, those dudes were not drafted in the first round. And if you're, if you're, you know, if you're starting a team from scratch and you could take a tight end, I, I would imagine those guys. And then TJ Hawkinson are probably the five that we're talking about taking first. So, I, I do think that, that that does hurt. It's also the fact that, you know, Kyle was um, such a, an athletic specimen. You know, we hadn't really seen anyone like him from a height, length, speed standpoint. And it was like, this is just an offensive difference maker. Brock Bowers, for all the greatness that is his game, is probably going to be like 6'2", 230. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not built like, you know, Travis Kelsey, who's 6'5". He's not built like... Sam Laporta. He's not built like Mark Andrews, certainly not built like Kyle Pitts. So, you know, he's, you know, maybe a little bit closer to George Kittle, but even Kittle's six foot four, 240 pounds. So I think with Brock, we're looking at a case of amazing, great college football player who the NFL is going to be a little lower on because he doesn't play a, a premier position and he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have elite measurables. He's not going to run a four, four. He's not going to be six, five, two fifty. And that is ultimately going to affect where he's drafted. What do you think or what are you hearing about Lad McConkie? given that this is a very deep wide receiver draft on paper? Is he a guy that's mid-second round? Can he creep up higher? What's the word on Lad? He could go higher. I think we could see if we see that run on wide receivers early, I think there's a world where he slips into the late first round, especially if you know, what if the 49ers who have salary cap problems trade Brandon Ayuk? who is, you know, needs a, a new deal, then someone like Lad McConkie could get in there. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have a need for more of a speed receiver opposite Rasheed Rice, but you know, what if they just fall in love with the route-running ability of a Lad McConkie? I, I think there's a world where he's drafted ahead of someone like Keon Coleman from Florida State or he's drafted ahead of Troy Franklin from Oregon just because you know exactly what you're getting. Maybe he's a number two, number three receiver his entire career, but he's going to be a heavily productive number two or number three receiver, even, you know, comparing him to other slot guys like Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy was 170 pounds, and he's had drop issues throughout college. So Xavier's going to be faster. He's going to be more explosive. But I would argue Lad's a much better football player. He's a much better wide receiver. And so I think those are the conversations teams are going to have when you look at, you know, some of the the success that the teams are having with wide receivers. It's like just take the dependable guy as opposed to let's swing for the 4-2 player. You know, a lot of times those don't work out as well as the guy who was super productive every Saturday for two or three years. Yeah, Worthy will melt your face mask. Um, that's about what it is, though, with him. He runs fast yep. in a straight line. Um, I was, it's funny you brought up the receivers. Uh, how much of a consolation prize is Jalen if you don't get Rome? Uh, I, a good one. Uh, I think a, a really good. Because the Falcons, by the way, have one uh, one receiver under contract right now, so they're right. going to invest something. Yeah, you have to, right? I mean, I, I've, every mock draft I've done that goes deeper than the first round, I'm like, okay, well, might want to look at getting a, a wide receiver in here for Atlanta because it is it is certainly a need. So McMillan's a good player. I mean, you talked about speed. You know, he that is his game. You know, he's a 
projects as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. He can run right past you. Um, and is you know, I think this year we saw, especially late in the season, just how important he was, you know, for them. And he can be that vertical stretch player that can, you know, get behind the safeties, that can stretch the field, open things up. And if you, if you already have the size of a Drake London and yep. you have the size of, of Kyle Pitts, McMillan is a really good player that I think fits that perfectly. Could, could I ask you, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina? Yeah, I'm, man, I was, I'm, frankly, I was disappointed at the Senior Bowl. It was not what I was hoping for. It wasn't what I expected. He just didn't move as well as I, I really thought he would. So I, I think he's probably late round two, early round three player right now. You know, we all wanted him to be, you know, like the Debo Samuel yards after catch guy. Um, he came in shorter than I thought. He's 6'1", 223. He was listed at 6'3". So that, that bothered me. And then I think you look at, you know, the speed game. It just it wasn't there at the Senior Bowl. I'm really hoping we get a chance to see at the Combine that, that he's, you know, maybe he shook off whatever that was and runs a lot better in Indy. Matt Miller, to me, is one of the shortlist guys who does this stuff well. You guys should be digging into all of his content from now until the draft. You can follow him at NFL Draft Scout. You'll see him across ESPN.com. And as I told you, Sports Center NFL Live, 4 p.m. Eastern from the Combine this week, Wednesday through Friday. Matt, we know you're busy. Thanks for making some time for us. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank Talk you. Talk to you soon. There's Matt Miller. We're chucking churn off on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. See, it's a Mock Monday, the alliteration. Mock Monday, Matt Miller. He's good. I like him. And Matt does a good job. All right, coming up, break the deal, face the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Not that wheel. Way off. Completely different wheel. It's quarterback Thunderdome for the Falcons this week. We'll explain next. Braves were losers today to the Orioles 2-1. to one. It's all over. F it. Why are we going to do this? They're now 1-2 and two during the spring. I'm going to go on a limb and say Snit has a closed door today. Although, maybe he just walks out and lets the team have a chance to talk to each other. February losing is unacceptable. Leave, leave the veterans in charge? I think you have to. You got to make a statement that uh, we're not going to accept. Does he leave the workout? Uh, like halfway through the workout, he just walks. Yeah, I think you just quietly walk out. You leave the players out there to, yeah. Now, usually this meeting happens once a year in Arizona when the Braves have lost like five of nine. Like that's a, a, a tough sp- uh, spell for them. They went four and five. Why are we going to talk about this? Uh, Braves were losers two to one to the Orioles today. Tomorrow they'll be in Bradenton against Pirates. Chris Sale gets the ball for the Braves. You'll hear it on the fan app and on our sister station, ESPN 103.7. Chuck and Chernoff. We're on the radio till 6, and then the good word, talking all things jackets, and then the Damon Stoudemire Coaches Show. So look forward to that on FM at 93.7, on the mighty AM at 680, and of 680 course. 680 and 93 Sam. What, 93 what? 680 and 93 Sam. That's right, Buck. And on the 680 The Fan mobile app. Ooh, naughty numbers. He's the man that knows the cap bonuses and all of that. He's the one that gets you cut front of us. Don't give a word. He's the guy who knows the law. Can't put him against the wall. He's the guy with all the internet and sugar backup dancers. Front office. No tools at all. All brought to you by Entry Point Doors and Windows. You've been thinking about it. You've been pondering it. Now is the time to make it happen with Entry Point Doors and Windows. Remake your entryway. Change all the windows in your home. Add windows. Whatever you come up with Entry Point has already done it. They've done it for 20 years. Entry Point Atlanta. 
atlanta.com to sign up for the free estimate matt we start with the nfl scouting combine we are the week of and we'll get a chance to have all these teams get a chance to meet with a lot of these guys get a really big chance to measure them see what they weigh see what their legitimate height is check on their health and i would imagine for the atlanta falcons this is going to have to start and end with going through the entire field of quarterbacks no that would be the place to go the question now becomes is what drills are guys going to do because it's coming pretty obvious we saw marvin harrison we've already seen a few other guys who have told us they will go through the interviews they'll do the medicals but they're going to pick and choose their drills and those i wonder if the quarterbacks might do the same uh, we, we we've seen actually kind of there's some precedent now for the top guys you know deciding not to lift deciding not to run but many of them will then throw at the combine we have seen that and we'll see kind of how they decide to, to have this play out uh i've at least finished the the top portion of the draft when it comes to my draft guide i'll be out you know probably right around uh you know, right around that part of april first week of april last week of march and should be done right around then and what i'm curious about is the stuff that i haven't got a chance to see i want to know because if you start talking about a trade-up if you want to look to move similar to what happened last year when you did have the carolina panthers trade last year they traded a first rounder a second rounder and then a future first rounder and a future second rounder along with a player to end up moving up to go and, and select bryce young that was the payment so if the falcons are looking to do something similar i think it's going to start and finish with Maybe you can move up to number one, and do you believe that Caleb Williams is everything he's made out to be? And, and more importantly, is he a leader? I think that is the big question that you're going to start finding out stuff in Indianapolis this week. Yeah, my personal opinion is I don't think the number one pick's in play. I think the Bears will listen. you listen to everything. I don't think that's in play. Two becomes interesting, and three, maybe. But you're talking like you said. It's five assets, right? It's your one this year. It's a two this year. It's another one. It's a number two. And it's probably a player. Now, if you get your quarterback, if you're hell-bent and you fall in love with Drake May or same thing on Jaden Daniels, you go ahead and do it. Because as we know, at number eight, those guys won't be close. And the next wave, Los, and I'm curious how you rank the next three in whatever order you put J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix, none of them will have grades that value it at number eight. No, and that's going to be the challenge. Because I, I think if we do look at the top, you know, Caleb Williams is going to be under consideration for the number one overall pick. Drake May, uh, as well, in my opinion, at least from from getting a chance to, to look at about six or seven of his games. And then Jaden Daniels is obviously going to be amongst that group. But if you were just to say, okay, what do you like next? I like Michael Penix Jr. more than I like J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix. But the problem ends up being, what do you do with a player? And this is similar. To, this is the case with Bo Nix. This is the case with Jaden Daniels. Because we've now seen the Stetson Bennett path to college football stardom, you get these guys now that turn 24, some 25 years old by the time they get to the league. Michael Penix Jr. is going to be a 24-year-old rookie this year. The same thing is going to be Jaden Daniels when he gets to December of this year. I think the differentiating factor in those two cases, or in a lot of cases, Michael Penix is going to raise flags with the injuries. Not that he hasn't recovered, but when you've already had ACLs, I mean, you're another ACL surgery away from either your career ending or just completely changing what you are as, as far as a health risk. So I wonder how many red flags will be raised on boards for Penix, whether it's the end of the first round or into the second. Yeah, and you want to talk about that primary red flag because nobody wanted to talk about that when he was carving up Texas. But here's what it is. Four seasons at Indiana, 
and a total of 20 games. No season there lasting more than six games due to health. Yeah, that that is my primary number one thing I wrote about in my guide. That for everything that he is, and and he's a really good football player, you're gonna worry about the health. Also, if I might be able to to, to hit on a couple of these negatives, because as much we're all gonna talk about the positive moving forward. That's gonna be a lot of stuff. But if you want to talk about something with Jaden Daniels that, that causes me to have a little bit of concern, there is a small concussion history there. And and here's the deal. He's a player that because of the amount of pounding he believed he was going to take at LSU this year, he put on 15 pounds to get to 205. This is a 190-pound player typically. So I'll be very curious to see what he weighs in at at the combine because one of his primary issues is can he maintain weight so he can maintain the pounding he's going to take in the NFL. Our buddy Carlos Medina, front office Los, is with us on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line. Let's follow up on that because Jaden's game is going to be one where he makes plays with his legs, and moving forward, that's always a risk when you play that style. The other part of Jaden Daniels, and I don't know if some people hold this against players or not, is he played with a top 10 wide receiver, another potential first-run picket wide receiver, Los. I always remember us talking about guys like Matt Ryan and others who didn't have great talent around them, and that being a benefit to them in their college ga- uh, their college game tape. Well, something that jumps out, and we'll just, uh, for recent history, there is a difference in guys that throw the ball with anticipation versus guys that do not. And I think that ends up being one of those those things for me that matters. Do you throw into spaces and get guys open? And oftentimes, you know, for instance, when you were Joe Burrow, you had the most dynamic offensive pieces all around you, yet he can still fit the ball into places when he needs to. That ends up being kind of the question moving forward with a Jane Daniels because guys at some times are so wide open, and we saw this to a lesser extent with Bryce Young, that that there was a little bit of delay. You know, part of what the Justin Fields argument has been is that he doesn't anticipate when the guys are going to be open so much as he needs to see them open before he throws it. Uh, but a guy like Jaden Daniels, you're talking about a player that has now appeared in 55 college games. So this is a player who has a lot of experience. So you would imagine, hopefully, by the time he shows up to the NFL, he has a little bit more of anticip- anticipation than some of these guys that only started for one year. You're going to hear me use this word a lot to describe the next player I want to talk about, and that's J.J. McCarthy just don't see special doesn't mean I'm right doesn't mean any of us are right the numbers look fine the game tape looks fine like it's hard to find a bunch of stuff you don't like other than I see special in the potential combination of the size and arm Drake May and the running and the the passing ability of Jaden Daniels same with Caleb Williams even to some extent Bo Nix and the accuracy of Michael Penix where's the special in J.J. McCarthy Uh, Okay, so that ends up being the question because for me, yes, he does give you a little bit of wiggle to his game. It's not enough, in my opinion, to be special at the NFL. You You don't do something that I go, wow, that's really going to be tough for defenses to handle. If you want to say efficient, all right, sort of. There's games where he looks pretty pedestrian. The Penn State game, the Ohio State game, even the Alabama game. If you go back and look at that tape in the Rose Bowl, he is throwing to wide open running backs where Alabama's busting coverages. This wasn't a player who was just taking you down the field and ripping the ball over creation, making these incredible plays. He kind of just got the ball out. It, it, it kind of was just a, the regular function of the Michigan offense. And so if you tell me what I think of him, I think that he's also a really slight player. He's, he's only 202. And so we're going to see what he weighs in at the combine this week. That's going to be a big factor. I think that, that if he does what he's supposed to do, he's going to show up probably weigh 210, 215 and alleviate some of those fears that he's basically a bigger version of a guy like Bryce Young. All right, one more. Bo Nix has played a long time in college football. I think it's the most starts 
in the history of college football. I think it's 58 at this point. I think it's what he ended up doing. You talked about the age earlier of some of the other guys. Bo, I know in some of our minds, is that uh, Auburn quarterback who takes unnecessary risks and gets himself in trouble. That being said, there's a lot to like, right? The mobility, the arm strength, the ability to get out and make plays with his legs. So where do you fall on him when it comes to a potential number on a big board? I think that you're going to see a player that's going to have some options at the back end of the first round. And, and the reason why, uh, you are talking about completion percentage. And he did go 77.4. And, and the biggest difference from what he was in his first few years at Auburn is now the efficiency of checking the ball down. And it's not sexy because there's times when there might be a bigger play that's out there, but Bo Nix will decide, I'm going to take check the ball down. I'm going to take the efficient play. I'm going to let my offensive playmakers create from here. Uh, he also, and this was a, an important factor too. You know, people wondered, okay, how big exactly is he? Well, you know, at the at the Senior Bowl, you do get weighed and measured, so he's a legit six one two eighteen. So he's you know a big, strong kid. Uh, and I think a lot of it just comes back to if you're comfortable with the the twenty four year old, soon to be twenty five year old player who's an adult who knows what he's doing in the pocket and can and can be efficient offensively, then I think you're comfortable with Bo Nix. I just don't believe that that's in the top fifteen picks. It's going to be a fascinating week with the Combine as we nitpick the quarterbacks and then count our way down to the draft. Now, keep in mind, free agency is in in every year, but this year specifically is going to have so much to do in the Falcons' case, whether they go out and attack big money for Kirk Cousins or they make a trade for Justin Fields and then how they apply that to the draft. So it's going to be a domino effect, and front office Los will be with us through all the fun leading up to the draft. Los, thank you. Trade up for Drake May. We'll all be happy. (laughs) Easy. Done. All right, coming up next, I've got a harsh reality check for Falcon fans who are gassing up Justin Fields to no end. I'll share it with you next. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. This is a 680 The Fan Podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. 
You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.